Hello, gardeners, farmers, compost enthusiasts, and growers. Welcome to The Healthy Garden, the show where soil is important and growing a healthier world is job one. Organic Gardening Part 2. In Organic Gardening Part 1, we talked about who makes up the rules regarding organic certifications and registrations and how stuff gets labeled that way and what happens there. And we also talked about environmental factors that are really important and critical for us when we're looking at creating or growing or transitioning or becoming organic gardeners. How does the environment and ecological factors, how do they um, determine different things that are going to happen with the soil, the biology, uh, the overall plant health, all that kind of stuff. So that's where we were when we left off. The other thing that we, that we did when, when I left off last week is I asked you guys to think about why do you want to be organic gardeners and why do we want to be involved in organic gardening and why do we want to eat organic and grow organic and what does that mean to us? For me, that's looking at the intention of what it is that we're trying to do. And intention is defined as a a determination to act in a certain way. It's resolve. To me, intention has everything to do with health, well-being, food safety, being a good steward of this planet, how we are uh, in terms of gardeners, growers, community members. That's where we're going to go today. Hi, this is Norma, an organic grower and the producer of the Healthy Garden podcast. I like to compost my house plants in the spring and the fall with Malibu Compost Booze Blend Biodynamic Compost. And I've had to use the large bags until now. Now I use the new six quart bag. And with one bag, I can top dress my house plants and give them the food to feed the microbes in the soil. It's organic, biodynamic, farm made, and non GMO. Just go to malibucompost.com forward slash shop for yours today. There is so much information out there about organics and organic gardening and ads all over the place. And you see, um, you see print ads everywhere now. I see it for organic all over the place. And things that I think about all the time. Is that really organic? And I'm, I'm not really sure. One of the funny things is, is when I um, get to go out and, 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 and talk about gardening and growing and soil health and all that kind of stuff, I always, I always ask everyone... Um, uh, my favorite is in a class setting where I say, um, okay, so how many of you guys care more about your soil than you care about your plants? And, uh, it's really funny because somebody always will raise their hand that they do. Um, but generally, you know, 99.9% of the people care more about their plants because the plants as a gardener or a grower, um, 
especially in nursery settings, are much more indicative of whether we're a good gardener or not, or whether we know what we're doing or not. The truth is, is, and, and it's great because I say that's great because if, if you guys all raised your hands and said you care more about soil health than you do your plants, I'd say I know you're all liars and I'm leaving. So, um, uh, you know, we get a, it's a good icebreaker and it's a good way just to kind of move things into this is where we're going to go today. We're going we're gonna to forget your plants, which is an interesting way to garden. Let's forget the plants. Let's forget the pruning. Let's forget all the other stuff that's out there um, that we've, you know, historically been looking at in terms of gardening uh, because we're, we're sent that message all the time in advertising. If it's not perfect and if it's not beautiful and if it doesn't look like the royal gardens in England, then somehow we failed as gardeners and nothing could be further from the truth for me. Uh, Because as a guy who was a landscaper, everything had to be perfect. It had to be absolutely spot on, magnificent, or I was a huge failure. And especially for the kind of clients I was working for. So when we start becoming organic gardeners and growers, one of the things that we have to realize is, is that we're going to have to dismiss the plants for a minute and focus on the most basic thing that is paramount to all growing and that is basically soil and soil health and how to create and how to foster healthy soil and that's what we've got to do when i started out i had no idea what that meant i had no idea how to do that i was picking up you know alleged compost and clean topsoil and fill soil you know from big growing grounds and putting that stuff down and, you know, trampling over it with lots of heavy equipment and, and, and you know, human, you know, uh, you know, traffic going over it and water and, you know, dropping chemicals and dropping, you know, out of our equipment, diesel fuel and, you know, not that healthy, right? So I had to start looking at it from a different perspective. And on Organic Gardening Part 2... We're going to look a little bit uh, at the microbes and soil animals. And yes, there are soil animals. And we're going to talk about that a little bit um, because that's that's key. And then what we're going to do next is we're going to get into the protocols. And we're going to talk about the things that I really care about today, which, um, you know, being a composter. I love compost. I love composting. I love seeing the different stage of composting and seeing where that goes. A lot of times, it's funny, I just was, I just was at a, uh, came back from a, a trade show this week. And it's always interesting to me when you have people that walk through that have never really seen a good finished compost. And people go, what do you mean finished compost? Isn't all compost finished? No, it isn't. A lot of times you'll see stuff that looks like wood in a bag with a little bit of dirt at the bottom. And so what I love to do is just say, hey, put your hands in this. And people come over and they're always a little hesitant. And I go, let's take a scoop and let's just hold it for a second. And we're standing there at the, on the floor of a trade show in Vegas. And we're holding soil in our hands. And, it, and it's kind of funny. And I say, how's that feel to you? And they're like... Oh, that feels pretty good. You know, it has a nice moisture to it. And I go, do you know where that came from? No, not really. Well, I'm assuming because you guys have a picture of a cow up there that 
you know, maybe it came from a cow. Okay. Uh, how's it smell to you? And that's always the great one because everyone's always a little bit, uh, I don't know if I want to smell it. I go, trust me, it doesn't have a bad smell to it. They smell it and they go, wow, please tell me more. Hey, gardening world, I want to tell you about a fantastic product from my friends at Rootwise Soil Dynamics out of beautiful Paonia, Colorado. It's their Microbe Complete. It's a diverse and full inoculum of beneficial microbes and mycorrhizae. It's great for your garden if it's a brand new garden or you're just trying to get some more microbes into that old existing garden. Check them out on their website. I use them. I love them. They really love that earthy smell that compost has. And uh, we all like that because I think that touches a core nerve in every single one of us. So that when we walk through a forest and we smell that earth or we walk, you know, um, we take that compost and we put it up to our hands and we smell it. And um, one of the things I always love is, uh, is letting people know what's responsible for that smell. Well, there is a group of bacteria that's called actinomycetes, and they are um, responsible for uh, the smell that we get um, that has that beautiful, healthy, earthy smell. And I love that in compost, you know, people start saying to me like, wow, that's, you know, this is really different, you know, than the other compost that we've looked at. And I always ask them, I go, so are you guys um, getting, you know, a lot more questions about microbes and biology? And is that becoming something that, you know, is, is important to um, the people that you're dealing with? And um, they always kind of have that funny look in their face, like kind of, but they don't really, they're not really sure. And I just go on. And, and, and one of the things I love about the whole biology of the soil piece of it is, and this is just for, for everyone to, to know that there can literally be millions to billions of microbes in just a, a gram of soil. So like on a teaspoon, you can have billions of microbes and they all have a very, very important role uh, in terms of, of why they're there, what they're doing and how they affect the plants that I told you we were going to forget about. But the microbes are key to your overall plant health as well. So, you know, you're basically got bacteria, uh, which is primary to all of life on this planet. It all begins right there. And they're just the unicellular, very most um, simple in the sense of cells lacking um, a nucleus. So it's, a, and you can have between millions and billions of bacteria. 
Then you go into um, fungi, uh, which are the long kind of slender filaments um, that have, they've adapted over time. They create pores necessary in the soil for, for aeration. Uh, and they, uh, they're composers by releasing enzymes out of, their, out of their tips, and they break stuff down. So all this stuff that's falling from the leaves and falling everywhere, um, that's organic matter. And that is the stuff that's getting broken down uh, by the bacteria by the fungi, uh, uh, by larger organisms uh, like protozoa. So basic, this is just really basic uh, bacterial and, um, and microbial elements that are in our soil. And I told you we have larger um, animals in the soil, which are really fantastic. And we use them. Uh, one of the things I'm going to talk about uh, in our next part will be um, some of the IPM and some of the beneficial um, insects and soil animals that we can use in the garden, which are a great way to move away from pesticides. Uh, one of those being nematodes. So you've got microscopic roundworms and, um, you know, we use a beneficial um, called, called a uh, Steiner nemofeltiae and in, in soil. And one of the things that's great about those guys is that they eat larvae of a lot of the things that we consider, quote, pests in our garden. So, um, to me, again, we can turn back to the soil health and to the health of these populations. And one of the things that's great about using a good finished compost and using some other organic protocols that we'll talk about in the next segment, what's great about that is that what we're doing is we are fostering and growing the natural biology that we have in our soil. And so when you start out becoming an organic gardener, or you're going to transition to the next level of organic because you've been using faux organic, you know, products and stuff out there. They're not really organic, but they're labeled organic. Or they may have some residual, negative residual effect. What happens is what we're really gardening and growing at the most base level is we're gardening and we're growing microbes. And none of us you know, know that when we get into this and join this path of, you know, of, of organic gardening. I certainly didn't know it as a landscaper. I, I didn't, I didn't even know that I was really great at killing microbes. But as I've learned over the years, a lot of the stuff that we were doing was absolutely harmful to the microbes to, to, from, from the chemicals and pesticides and herbicides and fungicides we used. Those are the most basic things to the salt-based fertilizers we used, but then also to the level of soil compaction that we were creating in gardens by doing all of this uh, unnecessary movement of the top layers of the earth and digging into stuff and then compacting it back down with all this heavy machinery and equipment. And what we were really doing was we were disrupting the biology that was actually in the soil. So when you start to become an organic gardener or a true organic gardener and grower, what we're really doing is we're really coming back to find a way to bring the microbes and, and grow microbial populations uh, in our soil. I've seen that over and over and over now uh, on, on, on many of the different projects and stuff that we've gotten to work on because we'll go on to places that have very little biology when you run a biological analysis. And what happens is over time, if you feed with compost and you feed with teas and you feed with some of the stuff that we'll talk about next, what happens is it doesn't happen overnight, 
But what happens is with consistency and with frequency and with us being the guys that mimic nature, because we're on these sites that aren't, you know, really completely natural and have been altered by man. So we have to play the part of nature. And that's what we get to do on these sites. And the other thing that's also wonderful is you'll start to see the comeback of the earthworms. I mean, we've had some really funny things happen with earthworms where uh, we, we were one time, uh, we worked on a, on, a, on a project with a golf course, and they were testing out different types of compost, and they had these areas where the turf was having a really hard time growing and they were and they were in a waterway so they were really concerned with runoff so ours was one of the composts that they were testing and we had these big 12 by 12 12 foot by 12 foot areas and about two weeks into the into the competition you know the compost competition we got a call from the agronomist and she said to us something amazing has just happened and I said really what's that she said we found worms in your area. And I said, wow. She goes, how did they get there? <laughs> I laughed. I thought that was great. Um, and it's a good an question because she wasn't sure whether we had um, worms in the compost or we had cocoons in the compost from the worms, which sometimes that happens, or whether... Um, how did they get there and how they actually got there is there was worms in that in the soil there obviously they just weren't they didn't have any food and so what happened is is they got a food that went into the that got into the soil they went after the bacteria and the worms went into our 12 by 12 section and it was a really fantastic and a wonderful uh, experience and 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 um, I love those kinds of things where you literally can see that if you help the biology, it will come. It's the old, if you grow it, if you build it, if you are it, they will come. So the worms came because there was food. And what's great about this is how does all this biology affect your plants? How does it affect the garden? So what happens is that there the one group I didn't talk about were the protozoa. And uh, again, unicellular organisms, what they do is they, they also eat bacteria and fungi and they, you know, that are decomposing those, you know, uh, very small particulates of organic matter. And what happens is when those guys poop, it releases the nutrient that's locked into the organic matter. And so while we're trying to become people that grow microbes and grow biology and bring the health of those guys back into our garden is because if we don't, then we're stuck to the old fertilization model. And then we have to constantly throw fertilizer out there for uptake that's either salt-based or, or, or synthetic back out uh, into the garden for uptake into the plants. And that's what we're trying to avoid being organic gardeners. So we're going to talk next on part three about composting and about worms. And I hope you'll join us for that segment. Join us next week for another exciting and interesting look at gardening, growing, farming, health, and how we all might make this place that we call home a better place. Until then, thank you and happy and healthy gardening.